Hello, welcome back to the KedCast. And today, I have a, a very special guest with me. In fact, he's been on this podcast before. His name is Michael. Hello there. Yeah, so basically, how, how did we get here? Basically, I was going to record an episode by myself talking about, because uh, there's a podcast I listen to by Trent Horn, uh, and he has episodes on Friday where he talks about like whatever, and he rambled for 15 minutes about Thanksgiving food and his takes. Some of his takes are pretty, pretty garbage. So I was going to talk about them. And I'm like, Michael, you want to be my podcast? And I told Michael about this. He's like, oh, sure. And he thinks we're talking about Thanksgiving food. But I think, I don't know if we're going to. You want to talk about Thanksgiving food, Michael? Uh, I'm cool with going wherever stuff leads, you know? <laughs> Speaking of stuff, uh, how do you feel about stuffing? I like stuffing as long as it's well seasoned, you know? Yeah, so uh, whenever you, do, do, do you eat stuffing on Thanksgiving? A small amount. I prefer the other foods, though. Yeah, so uh, you probably don't know the answer to how it's made, but whenever you eat stuffing, is it like a homemade stuffing, or is it like the stuff from the bag, like the stovetop? We did both this year. <laughs> oh, uh, I guess, uh, what was the, the other one? Like, describe that for me, and then kind of like compare the two. This is very interesting. I, I like this case study. Yeah, so one was the stuff from the bag. Um yeah, pretty self-explanatory. The other one, uh, we got, uh, watch my doodle. We got bread bits and whatever other veggies go in it, and we sort of mix them together and then cooked them with an egg. Yeah, I didn't take part in that part of preparations. So, how would you describe the final result? Was like the top crunchy? Was the inside like gooey? Like what? What? What, what was happening there? Uh, the bread was kind of spongy, and the veggies were pretty crisp, and the egg was sort of all over everything, coating especially the bread. Like, so was the bread? Was it soggy, or did it like it hold its shape? And then also, was the egg still like runny? Was it more like custardy, or is it more like scrambled eggs, or is it more like? Like, like, describe this. The egg was like the thinnest layer of scrambled egg over like much of the bread. And the bread was soft. I wouldn't call it soggy, but it was fairly soft. It did keep its shape somewhat, but the crust did get harder. I think it was probably like a crust that was made to keep its shape. Which of the two did you like more? I only tried the homemade stuffing and not the, not the box one. Well, we know how the box stuffing tastes, right? I don't. Okay. Uh, well, how'd you, how'd you like the homemade one? Uh, yeah, I just trusted the homemade one more because I saw it be made. I know how the sausage is made on that one. And um, it was it was pretty good. It wasn't anything like the traditional Filipino food that I have at Thanksgiving meals, but it was it was good. Describe the texture of this, uh, of this stuffing. Uh, the different ingredients had different textures like there were some like walnut chunks that were in there and those had a like a hard texture uh there were some like celery type chunks and those uh still like had a lot of their crispness to them and then the bread was fairly spongy and there was egg like scrambled egg stuff on the bread which did not really change the texture all that much would you describe this as delicious I wouldn't just go so far as describe it as delicious, but I would say it was pretty good. Was it the best thing there? No. Was it like uh, above average? I'd say it was the baseline. Okay. This is, this is interesting. 
Um, fun fact. If it's stuffed inside the bird, it's called stuffing. If it's made separate, it's called dressing. But no one calls it dressing. Because if you say, oh, did anyone bring dressing? No one has any idea what you're talking about. It, so basically, you have to call it stuffing these days. Okay, tangent over. Yes. Um, say a little bit more words about the, the stuffing. I think we've exhausted the content of stuffing. <laughs> okay, so here's, here's my spiel. So uh, it sounds like your family was trying to make a very good homemade stuffing. Because homemade stuffing, uh, like, like uh, especially the variant with the egg, it can taste very good. But a few key uh, things to change for next year. One, uh, you said bread was kind of soggy. I think the best bread to use is, like, not, like, dry bread, but, like, dry, dry bread. So, like, whenever they put the bread in, was it, like, crispy? No, it was, like, a fairly normal bread. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the moisture in bread, if there's too much moisture in it, it's going to like retain that moisture and it's going to get soggy during cooking. So the thing you do is like cut them into like little bits and then bake it for a little bit to where it, it's, it's, it seems crunchy and like, oh, if it's crunchy, how is it going to be in a casserole? But the fact that it's crunchy means that it has more room to absorb the moisture from the actual, like from the rest of the things. And it sounds like they did a very good job. Celery bits, uh, sausage, normally like the stuff you buy from the store, there's no like sausage in it. Having the sausage, being able to control your own flavors. Well, there was no sausage in, in, the, in the other stuffing? There was no sausage in either stuffing. Literally describing sausage. But okay, but... but no, I, said, I said I wanted to know how the sausage is made. That's like a thing that people say. Oh, I'm confused. Uh, but yeah, basically, a thing that good, like people who make homemade stuffing, such as myself, will do is that they'll actually put like, uh, especially breakfast sausage into the actual, uh, into the actual stuffing itself whenever you make it on the side. And when I say stuffing, I mean dressing, but I'm just going to say stuffing because no one knows what I'm talking about when I say dressing. But yeah, basically, uh, yeah, that's... So another thing is uh, whenever, yeah, yeah. So another thing is you said the egg was kind of a scrambled egg consistency. But the way that, especially if you're going to do the egg variant of it, is that you, you put a good amount of egg and a good amount of stock such that like when it comes out, it's still jiggly and it's almost like the texture of like a custard uh, and it's like creamy, but it has like those those good chunks of, of like pretty solid, non-soggy bread, especially if you have it well-seasoned, um, the, the key uh, seasonings are salt, obviously, but then you have the sage, you have your rosemary, you have your thyme, very thanksgiving flavors. Uh, that makes for, like, a really good stuffing. And I, I know Trent Horn on his podcast talked about how stuffing is so mid, but, like, honestly, like, he's eating, eating it out of the box. Like, a good homemade stuffing is, like, the best thing at the dinner table on Thanksgiving. Uh, put a little bit of a good gravy on that, and that's, that's, uh... Okay. <laughs> you said something about how this isn't your typical Filipino Thanksgiving. What is your typical Filipino Thanksgiving, Michael? Yeah, so, at Thanksgivings in Houston, uh, the Demore and Kronkong clans uh, do a sort of a mashup Thanksgiving. And so I have a good uh, representation of traditional American Thanksgiving food. So I have like your turkey, your ham, your stuffing, your like potato casserole, sweet potato casserole, and like cornbread. And I'll also have a good assortment of Filipino foods. So uh, rice is a must have. Uh, as well as a pancit, which is like the traditional Filipino noodle dish. Um, and we'll also sometimes have empanadas. Um, and this year we had a lot of egg rolls. Egg rolls are, Filipino egg rolls are built different. They're really good. Um, and we also had a Filipino dessert called biko, which is made with uh, sweet rice. That's cool. Is it like sticky? Or is it just like, or, or is it like, uh, what, what, what is it called? It's the, 
uh, arroz con leche? Like, like, well, what's the texture of the sweet rice? It's a pretty sticky sweet rice, and there's like a layer of like, I want to say it's caramel on top. Do you know if it's made, like, you know what rice grain it's made out of? I don't. I just know it's like a rice grain that's meant to be sweet. But like, oh yeah, because I, I know I, I cook this over the break as well, where you have, it's like a specific grain that's like, when you cook it, it becomes sticky rice. Uh, in fact, I have some in my house right now. I'm going to, I'm actually going to cook some up tomorrow. Uh, if, if you want some, I can give you some. It's all good. Yeah. But uh, yeah, that sounds pretty nice. What was your favorite dish at Thanksgiving this year? Hmm. Like entree dish or dessert dish? Let's let's go entree dish. So sorry, let's go like main dish, side dish, dessert. Okay, so favorite main dish was probably uh, the ham. Ham is always a classic. It has more uh, moisture and taste than the turkey does. I, I will comment on this soon. Um. And uh, as far as side dish, uh, ooh, it's a toss up between pancé and egg roll. Um, I'll give it to egg roll because when the egg roll is hot, it's it's really really good. And then dessert, uh, my mom the past few years has been making a uh, like a cookie Nutella sandwich. That's like sort of like a cookie cake and then a layer of Nutella and then more cookie cake on top. Really good stuff. Okay. That sounds nice. Would you like to hear about what my three are? Sure. Okay. If you said no, we're just continuing. So, uh, yeah. Uh, let's see. My favorite main dish is probably... Oh, I mean, some of these things are really hard to categorize. I guess I'm gonna go with. I'm gonna go with because oh, I, I had I had two different turkeys, at because I had I had a Thanksgiving lunch and like a Thanksgiving dinner. One with like my dad's side of the family was lunch, and then my mom's side of the family was dinner. And oh, that's a hard decision. There was a prime rib roast where certain parts of it were very good, so I'll go with that for the main course. Uh, some parts of it were under were overcooked. Some parts of it, nothing was undercooked. It was it was all just overcooked. Uh, the bark stuff that had the good seasoning the outside were all overcooked. But some of the inside pieces were quite nice, and there was no gravy. Or sorry, there was gravy to go with it, but the gravy was horrible. But uh, yeah, yeah. And then side dish, I really liked. Uh, man, I really I really should have come up with better answers. Never I. There was like this. It's basically imagine a piece of like baguette. Like it's like a slice of baguette. And on top of the baguette is like this mixture of like crab, imitation crab, scallops, and like mayonnaise. And then you just put it on top and then you stick the whole thing in the oven and it gets like crispy and just like, yeah, it's uh, it's, it's pretty nice. Uh, the, the, like the gooiness of the mayo like cooks off. It's more, it's more of it just like coats the, it's, it's kind of like a burger, but very much not a burger. And then my favorite thing for dessert was, uh, Oh man, what? I'm at a loss for words today. Uh, there was like a boba thingy at Thanksgiving dinner that was quite good. Thanksgiving lunch, I had like like a store bought cherry pie that was. It was actually pretty good, but like I, I think I like the other one better. Alrighty. 
There was something that you, you, what was your you said the first oh turkey turkey you, you talked about turkey yeah turkey just doesn't really do it for me at Thanksgiving it's just like the less good meat dish here's why so basically people really like the idea of you put a turkey in the oven and then you take it out and then it's cooked perfectly but honestly don't do that I, I so recommendation number one so you, you know how the turkey is like a, like a, like a sphere you want to like you want to like flatten it out so uh, Google how to spatchcock chicken cut out the backbone and you basically flatten the bird out uh, so that things cook evenly and it actually tastes good and it's sufficiently moist and it's not just like the the chicken breast isn't like 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 desert dry by the time the other parts of the bird are cooked uh, especially if you put stuffing in the middle like that's never gonna get cooked before the outside is dry and now you're relying on the gravy to do all the heavy lifting but also why do you need to cook the bird as a whole cut the bird up into individual like pieces where you know that you can cook the chicken breast at a, at a certain temperature like like this, this is it, it it makes like like you're already putting so much effort into the also if you cut it cutting it takes less than an hour and you save more than an hour in cooking time so like bro but the uh the aesthetics appeal man you lose that if you flatten the bird honestly it still looks pretty nice if you flatten the bird it definitely looks a lot less nice if you like cut the bird and it like you cut all the things individually and cook them individually but honestly like like I guess people are out here for the vibes because they're making like green bean casserole already and like the whatever yams with the with the marshmallows. Like they're already in it for the for the aesthetic and it's not about the food. Thanksgiving is never about making food that looks good. It's about stuffing yourself with oil and whatnot. <laughs> I don't know how it works with other families, but my family tries to eat well, except I guess with turkey. <laughs> yeah, at this point, like there are really there are really good recipes online. And also another thing is like clearly someone saw a recipe for stuffing and like tried it, but like there are key things that like that like you got to hit right or else it's the worst than just doing the box stuff. Like, that's like trying to make mac and cheese, but then you just combine macaroni and cheese into like a pot and then mix it together. think it's going to do something, but no, 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 no. You got you to hit it right. Otherwise, sometimes a box is better. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, you have a favorite cookie? Hmm. There's a lot of really good cookies out there. Thankfully, I've had many cookies in my day. Um, I guess I'll name two, uh, two Demore classics. Uh, the first is uh, an oatmeal chocolate chip cookie. That's always the backbone of a Demore family Christmas feast. And uh, the other cookie that I'm going to mention is a whiskey ball. Michael, I have to ask, what the heck is an oatmeal chocolate chip cookie? An oatmeal chocolate chip cookie is pretty much exactly what it sounds like. It's a cookie <coughs> uh, made out of oatmeal and it has chocolate chips in it <laughs> so is it like oat flour or is it just like the oatmeal bits and is there like regular flour in it as well like how does this work uh it's the oatmeal bits like the actual like oats you can still see the oats there might be flour in it i'm not entirely sure what is a whiskey ball <laughs> a whiskey ball is a demore classic uh i have had free access to these since I was about five years old. But basically, you take Nilla wafers and you grind it up into like a fine powder. You take um, some sort of nut, like a pecan or a walnut or something, grind that up into small chunks, and then you uh, mix the Nilla wafers, nut chunks, cocoa powder, and 
alternating amounts of whiskey and corn syrup until it's at a right consistency. And then you roll it up in powdered sugar and can enjoy as you please. Wait, wait, but the, the alcohol doesn't cook off? Uh, there is no cooking involved. So, yeah, it doesn't, there's nowhere for it to cook out. Uh, at what age did you say you started having this? Now, we will keep in mind that uh, <laughs> um, the, the whiskey, most of the alcohol will evaporate out. <laughs> How? How? <laughs> like, 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 you're telling me if I leave whiskey in a glass all long enough, I can chug that thing when I'm five? No. <laughs> okay, okay. How old were you whenever you, you first were exposed to this? I was probably about five. But in the state of Texas, you are allowed to consume alcohol provided uh, you have your parents' consent and are within eyesight of your parents. So you're telling me that every time you've consumed whiskey falls under the age of 21, you are within eyesight of your parents? I think the vast majority of the time, yes. You know, the five-year-old thing. The, the, this is starting to... This explains a lot, I will say. You want to explain that a bit? <laughs> yeah. Basically, when I say it explains a lot, it's like, oh man, this man's had access to whiskey. Because it's, it's different if it's like like Margs. It's different if it's like beer. It's whiskey. It explains the class. It explains the boomer. It explains like the, the like, like sitting on a barrel, like, you know, you know, like the, the, like the, it's, it's not, it's not, it's like an old, the old timey Michael Damore vibe. It's, it's the whiskey. It's the, the whiskey explains it. I'm going to ignore the boomer part of that and take the rest of it as a compliment. Uh, no, no, no. I, I, there, there, there was no boomer part of it. You explicitly said boomer. Yeah, but then I took it back. Okay, well, thank you for taking it back. We will listen back to the, the episode and we will, we will verify whether or not. If only I could listen back to the episode while the episode is playing, that would be really meta. Just rewind 15 seconds in the middle of the episode. Like, like rewind 15 seconds, like, like, like we re-record, like, 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 it's like a, it's like a, like a time travel joke thing. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, do you have any other Thanksgiving, like, customs that are not food related in your family? Yeah, so at family gatherings, me, my brother, and my younger cousins will turn on the TV and destroy each other in Super Smash Bros. That is, Which one did y'all play, Ultimate? Yeah, we play Ultimate. Did you win? I won some of them. <laughs> mm, did your brother win some of them? I don't think so. Maybe. He might have. He's not, he's not as good at the game as I am. Uh, I, I, I actually agree with this because he's not as good as the game as I am. And I will leave it to that. Yep. <laughs> did you, did, did you get it? Are you saying that like, I am better than you are at the game. And if Christopher is not better than you, then he cannot be better than me. I'm implying that I am better than you. Oh, well, that's just not correct. Because you said you are definitely better than him. And I said, okay, that means that I must be better than him. Be and that would imply that I am better than you. Like, strictly better than you. That is a way to interpret it, yes. Um, but the thing is, you are not. So, uh, director and coordinator for Awakening just dropped. You want to know who it is? Shoot. Coordinator? Marie Martinson. I did not see that coming. <laughs> Director. But good for her. Um, yes. 
Yeah. Um, one of the weirdest people to get food to is coordinator. I will leave it at that. Uh, the director, I'm going to say the name and then you will tell me whether or not you saw this coming. Okay. Liam Smith. I did not see that coming, but wait, what? <laughs> I know that's what I said. I thought he was, uh, I thought he was graduating. He is graduating. And how is he director? I have no idea. I'm confused. Um, yeah. We just had his last uh, strong retreat, like, a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. Uh, beats me, brother. That's really interesting. I mean... Well, congratulations to both director and coordinator. Uh, I hope y'all do a great job and we're here to help. Yeah, I, I don't think either of them listen to this podcast, but if they do, then c- c- congratulations. Uh, yeah, that's that's always fun. Yep. Are there sentences that you would prefer if no one ever said to you? Almost certainly. No, 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 not, not like, not like, because it's mean or because it's like bad or because it's sinful or anything. But like, are there things that people commonly say in like being vernacular that are like so cringe that you wish they didn't say? Yeah, the word vibe is pretty bad. Yeah, the word. It's it's not even that the the word is like like sometimes when people use it and I know what they mean, I, it's more okay. But sometimes it's just like pick a better English word. Like this is why the English has a ludicrous amount of words that are just like borrowed from like everything. And like there's some really like uh, some really recondite diction. It's like like at, like pick pick something nice, my brother. Yeah, I don't know. With me, vibe just sort of like it's a way that you can give a compliment without actually giving a compliment. And so, like, if someone goes up to me and they're like, you have a cool, then it's kind of like, you haven't really told me anything other than, like, you vaguely like something about me. Where it's just sort of like, if you used your words, you can make this compliment. And it's not as, like, confusing or abstruse. Yeah. But, like, sometimes there are adjectives to describe. So someone, someone will be like, Michael, you have a nice boomer vibe. Like, like the fact that the word nice is there is a specification on boomers, a specification on vibes. So you kind of know what they're talking about. You're like old timey, but you're like, you're nice about it. You know, you know. I feel like you need to find a better word for old timey than boomer because boomer means something. Um, eh, it's, it's, it can mean a lot of things. And just, just like, um, take the most charitable interpretation because it's good in life to take the most charitable interpretation. I don't know if there's anything charitable to say about boomers <laughs> okay i don't know how charitable that was michael uh i, lo- I learned a new word this uh, this break it's this word right here that i'm showing you looks greek to me Recherche. looks greek to me it literally means rare exotic or obscure so this 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 as a linguistic term is quite recherche. Mm, almost as if the word recondite is fairly recondite yeah, it's it's a it's a it's a synonym for the word, word recondite. Well, want to look at that? Not a synonym for the word recondite. It's close enough. It's like it's like you can like recherche is recondite and recondite is recherche. So insofar as that's true, like I feel like it's good enough. Those uh, are copula is not essence bearer is. Yes, I. I, I 
I could probably find two other words that do the same thing that uh, like that do not mean the same thing. Well, like if I say that like my water bottle is red, that does not mean that the essence of my water bottle is red. That just means that like it has redness, you know? It's giving like uh, uh, elongated is polysyllabic and polysyllabic is elongated. Exactly. But those two do not mean the same thing. Exactly. There you go. But but like clearly the the polysyllabicness of both of those words has is not completely independent of the elongatedness of said words. Does that make sense as well? Because I, I could give it even like an even worse example where two things are completely have like independent identities, but like they both apply to each other, stuff like that. I think it makes sense. Um, I'm just kind of thinking about this because I wrapped up a philosophy paper a week or so ago, maybe two weeks at this point. Um, and one of the arguments that I used relied on the distinction between the copula is and the essence bearer is. Yeah, it's like how uh, it's like how conjunction junction. What's your function? Yeah, uh, I wrote a talk that used that as a be anything, and it's about like how um, there's a difference between who you are and what you do. You know? Yes. That th- it it's kind of that. I just remembered that I probably have a talk to write for Brand Retreat this weekend. <laughs> Is that supposed to be a secret? Is it? <laughs> Well, uh, I remember when Peter was like, oh, here's the people. And then it's like, was it supposed to be, uh, oops. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, when's this even going to be aired anyways? You know, we're getting into the meta podcast at this point. Yeah. Also, not nearly enough people listen to this podcast for this to be a medium through which, like, information is conveyed to people for the first, uh, sorry, like, confidential information is conveyed. Like, uh, uh, hopefully you're learning something new every time you listen to this podcast about, like, stuffing or something. Or, like, please, bad gosh your turkeys whenever you cook them it makes it the experience so much better mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah um are, are you planning on doing any awakening leadership things i am not oh i am so tee i i don't know what i'm applying for but like it really could be anything it's a secret to everybody yeah uh you know how it is Yeah, I think my main leadership position on awakening this upcoming semester is just going to be like most experienced person in the room, which is fine. Yes, you are very uh, aged when it comes to awakening. (laughs) Yes, yes, I am. You want to explain what I just did? I do not. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, before I said the word aged, I mouthed the word boomer because apparently that is a... uh, that is it. It, it, you, the, you will have already seen this, dear podcast listener, but Boomer will be in the uh, description of the episode, as will the word Thanksgiving. So we'll, 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 we'll see. Do you have a favorite word? Not one off the top of my head. I was asked recently what my favorite word is, and I responded with the word recondite. Uh, after which the, the person who asked me the question responded like, oh, it's giving like uridite. And I'm like, a little bit, but maybe a little more ostentatious. Yeah, that sounds about right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, basically. Uh, I didn't actually respond with that, but like that's the response I would have given after like thinking for multiple hours about the rest. Like, you, you know what I mean. Yes, the clap back always claps back a few hours later. Yeah, you know, but like, like there's multiple reasons why responding with the word ostentatious is, is a good, because one, ostentatious is fairly recondite, uh, but also like ostentatious is, is like, ostentatious is, like polysyllabic it's a word that describes itself like 
Yeah. Yeah. Oh, there's like another word that describes itself. Oh, there's lots of words that describe themselves. Like, um, uh, unhyphenated describes itself, but that one's that one's just kind of funny. Unhyphen. Yeah, <laughs> the meta meta English. Meta English. Uh, I guess elongated in a sense. Like, uh, yeah, that, that that that's a that's a fun quirk of English. Like, like not long enough to have its own episode, but long enough to appear in a short version of, of a banter episode that we can talk about. Do you do like? Yeah. Yeah. Um, are there any like adjectives that describe people that you like using more often than other people use or like adverb or just like, like any words that you like to use that like normal in normal English that other people like don't use or like that you particularly like? Cause I don't use recondite that much in normal speech, but there's probably other words. I'm probably going to try to think of them now as you say something about words that I like to describe people and such. Hmm. Can you give me a moment to think about this one? Sure, I'm just gonna continue talking. Um, yeah, go ahead and raise your hand whenever you're 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 ready to say things. Uh, uh, yeah. So basically, uh, what other takes do I have? Oh yeah, Trent Horn talked about how like green beans are really mid. And it's like, of course, if you're making green beans out of the can, they're gonna be mid. But let me tell you about the green beans that I made. Uh, basically, you take and like I, I didn't even have the most optimal like iteration of this. I'm gonna describe the most optimal iteration. Basically, you take fresh green beans, right? You can cut them in half. You don't need to cut them in half. You flash fry them Chinese style to where the skin gets kind of wrinkly. And then afterwards, you can t- continue to like regular stir fry afterwards, but the flash fry should be good enough. And then you put salt and then get, 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 you do this in a wok. Deep, oh, another deep frying in a wok. It's like really, really good. So after you take the oil out, um, then you put like gar- a little bit of oil just like to cover the bottom surface, garlic in the wok till it's really fragrant. You put a little ginger in there as well. Throw those green beans that were just flash fried in there and then just toss those around, coat those in like the garlicky oil, salt, good amount of salt. Otherwise it doesn't taste like anything. I went over this on a previous episode, the Culver's one, just like, yeah, salt makes food taste like food. Uh, really good. And then afterwards you put uh, fried shallots and fry the shallots yourself. You basically chop shallots really, really thin and then put them in uh, room temperature oil and then slowly crank up the heat and then slowly do that until they get like crispy and then those are like very fragrant very delicious uh, uh, yes th- those green beans are like the best green beans don't eat canned green beans out here on Thanksgiving treat yourself to something good I like these Chinese style fried green beans but honestly if you do like the casserole fresh green beans make your own cream of mushroom soup slash uh, cream of chicken like you can do those things yourself uh it's going to yield a much better thing. People don't like green bean casserole and like that stuff, but like just make it good. Don't make it bad. Like but that's like it's complaining about mac and cheese and then it came out of the box. Though, uh, though if you get, you get mac and cheese, like the powder ones aren't going to be as good. Like the Velveeta ones where it comes with the cream sauce is good. Michael's now raising his hand or he was, he's been raising his hand for a while. So yes, we were talking about words in the English language that you use. Yeah. So one word that I use is fantastic. Now, like it's not exactly like a, Fancy word, but like it's a word that I like to use to describe people that I think are fantastic. Um, a couple other words are uh, free and firm. I don't think anybody else really uses those words, but I enjoy using those. They are two out of three of the trilogy of uh, or trinity of free, firm, and priestly. And the last word that I use to describe people, I don't really use outside of my head, but I do use it inside of my head sometimes. And that word is philos. What is actually sorry? Why firm? What does it mean to say that someone is firm? It means that they are um, not to the point of being, uh, how do I say this gently? Um, Not to the point of being 
stupidly stubborn about something, but to the but they are um confident in their own positions, willing to uh fight for them and willing to stand up to uh friends and or enemies who uh s- don't always share the same uh understandings of things. And what does free in this sense mean? Because free, free, free means a lot of things. Uh, there's clearly a comment in here about how people are free, meaning they don't cost anything, but I'm not going to go there. Uh, that wasn't really I was going with that. But it's more just sort of like they are really, really happy just acting the way that they want to act, and it makes me happy to be with them. That's how I would phrase free in this sense. Yeah. That makes sense. Some people are just going to act the way they acted. Not really much you can do about it. I think both of those uh, necessitate a sort of self-assuredness that, um, I don't know, is freeing. <laughs> I No, that, that, that made a lot of sense. Yeah, it's very nice to like, uh, there's something like very like, like, you like even though it's not you and they don't do the things that you do see them someone do the things that they they do and be themselves and be so them and so unique yet like find like the joy in that like like to find the your joy in their joy of them being them even though they're not you is like it's very nice there's something of a je ne sais quoi that uh is very enjoyable about that man we're just whipping out all the Big fancy words. Yeah. Yes, sir. What do you think is a word that you know that a lot of people don't? Je ne sais quoi. Is that is, is, is that like a word? I feel like that's like a like a like a like a can you uh perhaps use more words to explain to me exactly what je ne sais quoi means? Je ne sais quoi is that which cannot really be explained. So no. Um how oh uh yeah, that's uh, that's very gatekeeping of you. <laughs> okay, um, a word that I use a lot that like nobody else does is vernacular. Yeah, that is quite a fancy word. Yeah, I I just I don't know. I know a lot of big words, but at some point I was like, uh, I forgot what the Kevin from the Office quote is, but it's basically something along the lines of like, what is the purpose of using large recondite words whenever? much simpler vocabulary could suffice, you know? There's no need to use a $2 word when a 10 cent word does the same job. Yes, this is true. Um, though some, yeah, here's the thing. Sometimes, like, when the bigger word is more precise in meaning what you want it to mean, like, all things being equal, the simpler word is better, but some things are not equal. But sometimes, some people don't get the memo and they use a more fancy word, but then it's just not the right usage of the word. So then, like, it's like, uh, yeah, you, you just... It, it it sounds like you're trying to be fancy to be fancy, and it, it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's it's not a good look. Yeah, I completely agree. As an engineer, all things being equal, simpler is better. But if not all things are equal, then you gotta re-examine how things are working out. Yeah, um, and there's a whole bunch of other stuff. Like I was looking at a list of like words, and uh, I I recorded the podcast about on pronouns, and I was there's there's some words in the English language that exist like. The words are synonyms, but like you would never use this sentence or this word here and this word there. Like the words mean different things, like as you say them, because like, um, like, like, and also, 
like, um, what's a good example of this? Um, nobody courageously goes. You boldly go. Like that's that's the correct word there. Like like there are like things built into the way that we've spoken English that like that like like you know. Yeah. Yeah. Boldly go is one of those things where like anytime anyone gives an example of a split infinitive, it's always to boldly go. It's never anything else. It's always to boldly go, and it's it's because the it's like a it's like a Star Trek thing. Yeah, the people who repeat that phrase are not going where no man has gone before there. Yes, this is very true because every every man goes there. But like, it is super iconic and it, it, it works. It does. But at this point, I don't know to boldly go that it is a Star Trek thing. I only know it because it is the example for split infinitives, which also, uh, hot take, not, not hot take, split infinitives are, are fine. Like, it doesn't, like... It's like a style rule and not like a structure rule. Because you have the adverb describing the verb that comes after it. And in that context, like that, like you can put words that describe words before the words. I think it just sounds, with the exception of to boldly go, specifically in a British accent, um, split infinitives are generally less than fantastic. I think it's one of those things to where you can say that in general it's less it's less than fantastic, but in cases where it does hit different, like allow them to hit different, you know? Fair enough, I guess. Yeah. Um I feel like we were on something before this. Beats me. Oh, you're right. Uh so it was the words that uh there was a word after free and firm that I was going to ask about, but then I chose not to. What word was that? Was it philos? It was philos. What is a philos, Michael? Um, yeah, so as explained to me by uh, branch leader Ben, uh, I was going to say long may his reign be, but it's not going to be that <laughs> long. Um, not that we're going to kill him, just that like his term is going to end soon. <laughs> this, this, you did yourself a deeper hole, my guy. Yeah, I know. This is this is a problem at this point. Um, but as branch leader Ben explained, um, blessed may his reign be. Um, <laughs> uh, Philos is basically just like those who are close to you. Those who are close to you, like oh, like like you know how um, uh, in C.S. Lewis's The Four Loves, he talks about. Uh, well, the four loves. And one of them is philia, where it's like someone who's close to you. But it's more than just like an association by like, by like a family association or like you're a part of the same school. It's like, it's like, it's like a friendship to where like it's, he describes it very specifically where like people can live their whole lives having like the, cause the, uh, the, the other, the other three are storgi, uh, philia, eros, and, and agape. Like, like agape is like supernatural, but we'll, we'll talk like you can live life. Like people live life having like Storgi and like Eros, but you can live your entire life without having like philia, without having like, like close friends that are just like independent of where you are independent of, of like you see them again. And it's like time never passed. You never talk about your relationship with each other, but you just like chill. And it's like really like, like, like that kind of philos. Um, maybe similar. I wasn't using that kind of technical of a definition. Thanks for catching that on mic. Um. <laughs> you, you, you coughed into your elbow. Like, it's not going to pick up. It doesn't pick up that well. Like, if I turn the mic around, it doesn't pick me up, like, well at all. Okay. Um, but basically, I was just using philos in the sense that, like, 
um, in the sense that like, uh, like, let's see, like this person is a very close friend of mine in that sense. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I was just reading some, some C.S. Lewis, uh, about the four loves clearly. Uh, yeah, it's, 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 it's pretty cool. Yeah. I'm more of a Tolkien guy than a Lewis guy, but I respect Lewis for what he did. Okay. So when I think, when I think Tolkien, I think of fiction. When I think Lewis, I think of nonfiction. Uh, I'm, I'm sure he's written fiction somewhere, but like, uh, also I'm not counting screw tape as, as fiction. Screw tape is just like, like a nice, like, it's not nonfiction, but it's clearly like, like a commentary on the spiritual life. Yeah, I agree. Screw tape's built different. It's not a fiction qua fiction. But when I think Lewis, I think of Narnia. Yeah, I don't. I think of uh, A Grief Observed, which is very good. I think of The Four Loves. I think of Mere Christianity. I think of the screw tape letters. I think that Lewis is, uh, I don't know, whenever I read Lewis, it's like there are feelings that I felt that I haven't been able to put into words that Lewis puts into words. So it's like, wow, that, that, that does make sense when you talk about like, like the way humans operate. That makes so much sense. Fair enough. But I think uh, where Tolkien really shines is, uh, well, he shines in his nonfiction also, but like uh, he shines a lot in his fiction where like um, his themes and his characters are just like built so different and they, really speak to the core of the human experience um, that I think that like it deserves like a special recognition. Yeah. I, 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 I like the character um, like the core characters and like the way that he builds them. Like it's like from a Christian worldview, but it's not like directly allegorical. Like, Oh, lion is uh, Jesus. Like it, it's, it's, it's got, it's a little, it's got a little more like character depth in that. And uh, that's something I, I quite like from, uh, from, from J.R.R. Tolkien. Yeah, with Lewis, it's kind of like if you can't tell that the lion is Jesus, you're doing something wrong. Um, but with Tolkien, Tolkien explicitly went out of his way to make sure that there were no like formal religions, qua religion, in uh, his legendarium. Uh, because he wants you to be able to pick out um, sort of like the themes without him like putting it in your face. Yeah, that's something that I quite like from, from the man. Yeah, he's a... I mean, both very good writers, uh, and uh, people compare them often. And they're certainly comparable aspects, but I, I, I think they're like different people. That's like trying to compare like, like certain beverages with each other when they're just different beverages, you know. I don't really know what you're trying to reference here, but like, so milk is a separate beverage than soy milk. <laughs> as long as soy juice is like known as soy juice and not presented as a milk alternative, I can completely agree with that. Okay. I've come around to the fact that we can call it soy milk and also like it is consistent to call it soy milk and then to also in the second sentence say that it is not related to and should not be a substitute to like milk that comes from animals. The thing is, I think by calling it milk, uh, people are going to create the association and like... Soy juice is just not milk, and it shouldn't be treated as milk. I think that it's, it's one of those things to where, like, everybody knows that, like, 
impossible meat ain't meat. So like, it's one of those things. It's 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 yeah. But the impossible meat is marketed as a meat substitute. Yeah, but it's not. <laughs> I'm not against impossible meat. If you can like justify the texture and the taste, like go for it, you know. But like, it's one of those things to where like, like they they make impossible ground meat. But they're not. They haven't. I don't. I don't believe they've made impossible like brisket or impossible like skirt steak. Uh, uh, I have tried uh, like impossible burger, and I will say that if I didn't know that it was made out of grass, I would not know that it was made out of grass. Um, but I also tried the impossible orange chicken from Panda Express. <laughs> uh, this video is not, or this this episode is not sponsored. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Um, but, uh, the impossible orange chicken, it tasted like chicken. It tasted fine. Um, it tastes like the orange chicken, but the thing is the texture was just wrong. It wasn't like, it didn't have like the, like the fiber consistency that like a typical like chicken from like Chick-fil-A or, uh, Panda Express has. It was just kind of weird. Was it like the texture of something like, like a McDonald's chicken? Cause that, that is still identifiably chicken. I'm going to level. It's been well over a decade since I last had a McDonald's chicken nugget. That's fair. That's basically the only thing I get for McDonald's. Uh, but I, I haven't had McDonald's in, in, a, in a hot minute. But I mean, it's it's like the, the white pepper. I, I like white pepper. So the, the, I, I like those nuggets. What is white pepper? <sighs> you know, black pepper... It's basically you took the black on the outside out, white pepper. It's it it it's got it tastes less black. <laughs> I don't know how to describe it. That's a sentence you can say. <laughs> uh, I'm pretty sure that's what white pepper is. All I know is like I have a grinder for white pepper at home, uh, or in my uh, like here in Austin, and I just uh, oh I'm back in Austin, and yeah, I just get my mortar and pestle out. I grind it. It's very like uh, it's, it's it's like a it's more commonly used in like Chinese cooking and like generally Asian cooking, but then you see it here and there and like. Uh, and like American recipes as well, where it's a, it's a little lighter and it, it's it's like it's like a you know how there's like you have other like peppercorns like green peppercorns you have like Sichuan peppercorns stuff like that it's just like a different like profile we're still having a little bit of like that seasoning that kick to it. Gotcha. Dang. Uh, yeah. There are certain words that I use to describe people, or words that I use probably far too often that are just like a part of the normal. Uh, Ethan vernacular. Um, one of them probably being, I like, I like saying like fancy, but like, like, does this, this, this sound about right? This is very right. <laughs> yeah. And fancy means like, oh man, like, like, like you dressed up or, or like, or like that's, that's like fancy. It's like, it's like, it's giving, you spent some money on that and you look nice kind of thing, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like that, that ring you got there, that's fancy. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm not buying a class ring from UT. Well, the thing is, I don't think the money goes to UT. It's not about the money going to UT. It's about the money. Fair enough. Yeah. Yeah, because like my 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 class ring for high school, like my parents paid for that, so I'll 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 I'll, I'll take the dub there. Yeah, one rings roll them all, I guess. Though. Yeah, I mean, uh, I mean, I, I guess I'm not out of UT yet, but. I think currently I'm more proud of the fact that I graduated from strict Jesuit for high school than the fact that I'm going to graduate. Well, hopefully, God willing, that I graduate from UT for college. Are you saying that the f- floor is higher for graduating from Strake than it is for UT? Absolutely not. But I'm saying that I'm more proud of graduating from 
like like I I I I stake that as a more core part of my identity than the fact that I don't, I don't, I don't know. It's one of those things to where like um I think I can be UT without the ring, and I can be straight without the ring too. But the ring, the straight ring, it got the gem on it. It's kind of cool. I can punch people. Does the does the ring rock? I don't know what that means. Is that like a reference to something? There, there's a gemstone on the ring, so I was trying to make a pun. Like, does it rock? Oh, uh, yeah, yes. Um, I use the word gratuitous. Uh, gratuitously, <laughs> I, I, it's, it's, it's. I, I use it more than than it should than no not more than it should be used, but I, I use it quite often. And luckily for me, most people know what it means. Uh, occasionally, someone does not know what it means, and that's another thing. Whenever you have to explain a word, it's like I don't want to explain what the word. It, it's 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 the good old like. Have you heard this before? Where like explaining a joke is like dissecting a frog. You learn how the frog works, but then the frog died. <laughs> I have heard that before. Sometimes the explanation can be really funny. Yeah, so sometimes the explanation itself can be a separate joke, but the original joke still very much died. I think I have more hope in the fate of jokes than most people do. Yeah, you're, uh, you, you do like your jokes, Michael, the more, don't you? I do. I, what other words? I use the word gregarious far too often as well. Uh, when, like, anytime someone's, like, mildly amicable or outgoing, I'm like, gregarious! Yeah, you know what else is a fun word? What? Schmicks. I love using schmicks. Schmicks is great. It's like the it's like a an abbreviated yet yeah, distinct form of like uh, like bamboozle or like befuzzle. Yeah, it's kind of like the uh, competitive smash equivalent of like breaking somebody's ankles in basketball, you know. But also, like it it doesn't need to be competitive. Like, like it, you, it, like, I use it in not that context of just like. Man, like someone told you to meet you at this location, you told them where you were, and then they came back to where you were, and then you went to where they were, boom, schmixed. Exactly, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that, that, that is a fun word. Um, are there any other words that I use? Um, I, I like the word nifty. Like, oh, that's nifty. Yeah, you do use that one a lot. Yeah. It's just, it's, uh, it's like nice, but it's also like fitting. And nifty is mildly the combination of the word nice and the word fitting it's like 50 it's got the ni and the f no i'm gonna have to disagree with you on this one it's 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 not a strict portmanteau but it's like it's it's you're combining the two uh like like you're combining the a little bit of uh, it has a common not that it's made up of those but it can it like as if it contains the meaning of the two words as well as parts of the two words Like, I see it, but I don't think I agree with it. Yeah, it's just one of those things. It's it's just the vibe. <laughs> okay. I forgot to go over the things that I don't like when people say, I don't like happy belated birthday. It doesn't work. <laughs> it doesn't work. But what if you, like, I understand. But also, like, what if you, like, felt bad about missing somebody's birthday? And you're like, oh, well, happy birthday. Sorry I'm late. Like that. that. Okay, okay. Here's the schmicks. Belated happy birthday? Okay. Happy birthday belated? Okay. It is not the birthday that is belated. It is your happiness that is belated. So, like, like, don't put belated after happy. Does this make sense? Yeah, yeah. I, I agree. Yeah, so I will say a belated happy birthday to you. Happy belated birthday? The birthday is not late. You are late. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, 
Yeah, that, that, that's one of those things that it, it's it's like it's like like happy belated birthday is like to boldly go, where it's just like it's that phrase that people think means something. Actually, to boldly go actually is it works, but it's a phrase. It's like that like phrase that people use a lot. But this one doesn't. It doesn't. It doesn't. It doesn't work. It doesn't hold up to the scrutiny of English. Mm-hmm. <laughs> hmm. Were there any other stuff that I asked you that I was going to answer myself that I haven't yet gone to? Or, or sorry, you, you have any questions for me, Michael? Got a moment to think about this? Do you have a favorite martyr? Do I have a favorite martyr? I do, but I don't know how he died, nor do I know his name, nor do I know whether or not he is a he or a she. Then do you know anything about this person? I do. So basically, today is Sunday. Two days ago was Friday which was the feast of the Holy Vietnamese Martyrs. And people will be like, yes, the 117 Holy Vietnamese Martyrs. And uh, yes, at the original canonization, there were 117 of them. But then afterwards, this last dude was added. So there were some of 117. It's like, actually, it's probably 118. But also there were hundreds of thousands of Vietnamese people who got persecuted for the faith and who died for their faith. These are like the 17 ones whose names we know, most of which were, most, most of which were like, lived in a specific community or were like religious. Um, like like in the religious life, uh, so like we actually we actually know them, we know their names, but there's a like thousands of people who who died, uh, like the I'm Vietnamese, which is why this is, but uh, yeah, that 118th martyr is a saint, but normally we're like oh 117 Vietnamese martyrs, so he my my boy just gets left out, but uh but yeah he 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 died for the faith, uh, it's it's very cool like uh it's very cool to like it's like it's very cool to see someone who looks like you love Jesus like how you want to love Jesus. Nice. So, I don't know his name, but that is my favorite martyr. Do I know how he died? I don't know. They, they killed him somehow. Like, like, uh, yeah. I don't know what the Vietnamese government was. was up, I, government. I don't know what the Vietnamese dynasty was up to at that time. I don't know. I don't know what their go-to method for martyrizing people is, but yeah. You have any, uh, you, you have any parting words for the folks at home? I think this episode's like almost an hour long. Um, Yes. If you have the time and flexibility, you should try to take beginning social dance. It's easily one of the most useful classes I've taken at the university, and it's also a lot of fun. Yeah, this is at the University of Texas at Austin. If you do not go to the university, there might be a social dance class at your university, but cannot Michael cannot guarantee that it is anywhere near as good. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Um, but like, I'm an engineer, and this class is more useful than the vast majority of the engineering classes that I've taken. Is it useful for like, like whenever you go to your company, like you ought to be able to whip out that swing? Look, if I'm the king of swing and I'm just the best dancer there, then that's just the way that it be. But like, also, <laughs> um, I actually wrote a paper about this and submitted it to the instructors. Um, it's an interesting way to um, help understand the theology of men and women. Okay, go, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. T -t -talk, talk about this paper a little bit. <laughs> we'll, the, we'll postpone the ending of this episode just for you, Michael. Um, do we really want to get into it right now? Uh, I could... Uh, maybe this is a better part two or something. We <laughs> Okay. Uh, well, that's all, folks. Uh, yeah, well, I'll, I'll, I'll catch y'all next time. Y'all have a good one. Toodles.